sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! Play podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How is everybody doing today? I am doing great. Feels good to be back. I know you guys just got a new episode just a couple days ago, but I wanted to get this episode out to you just before Thanksgiving rolls around, and uh, you know, don't know when a new episode will come out after that. Hopefully, the following week. But you never know what the holidays, how things are going to go. So I at least wanted to get Turtles Three out to you as soon as possible. And that way we can roll right into the good one, which is TMNT, because this movie isn't really too good. But I'll get into that when I get into the review. But before we go ahead and get into the review of uh, Turtles 3, which this episode's not going to be very, very long, just because, uh, you know, the movie itself, there's some bad things to talk about and some good things to talk about, but it's not nearly as fun as the last movie was, and I don't have nearly as much of stories to tell you like I did last time. So let's get rolling on this and let's get to movie and music news. not a whole lot of news that's come up you know since I just recorded Turtles 2 I had some stuff for you Uh, this is only like two or three days later but uh, the coolest thing that's happened is information has been revealed about the Dark Knight Rises which I sent a topic out to you guys on Facebook just to see what you guys thought and uh, it's it's some good times basically the studio has decided that they, like Chris Nolan and the studio had to come to a compromise. And essentially the Dark Knight Rises is going to take place eight years after the Dark Knight, which I really like that because of the fact of we're dealing with a much older Batman, wiser, stronger, so it's 
there's so much that they can do with them setting it eight years into the future. I mean, it makes perfect sense why Wayne Manor is built and um, all these different gadgets like the Batwing that Batman's going to have and stuff like that. So I am really excited. And I think the biggest reason for this, according to the articles I've been reading, is that the studio wanted to, after this is taken over, they basically want to continue the Christopher Nolan story, but of course they would have to recast Batman and get a different director. But essentially, with them having an eight-year gap, they're going to be able to tell different stories of what happened during that eight-year premise, which I really like that because Warner Brothers obviously has a huge successful franchise going here and why would you just want to flush it down the toilet so i like the fact that they are planning on you know thinking for the future that they're gonna be making stories between the eight year period i really like that so i thought that was a smart move on both christopher nolan's part and the studio's part and then if not tomorrow the thanksgiving we are going to get two covers from Empire. One is going to have the cover of Christian Bale just as Batman. The other cover will be Tom Hardy as Bane. And then if you are actually a subscriber to Empire Magazine, you're going to get a special cover of Bane already sent to you. So you should have that now. And that cover looks amazing. And they're doing a special where if you want that cover, if you go ahead and sign up on their website to get that uh, magazine, you will actually get not the following month, but you'll get the Bane cover this month. So most magazines will wait till the following month before you get that issue. But these guys want you to get the cover. They only have like 5,000 available, so you need to sign up quick. So that is pretty flipping cool. So I'm excited that uh, they're going to be doing it eight years into the future. That is pretty cool. So that is what I have for movie news. Now let's go ahead and get into the music news. Now for the music news, um, normally I don't watch award shows. If I watch any award shows, it's usually like the Spike uh, Scream Awards. Those are always fun, kind of crazy. And occasionally I would watch like the MTV Movie Awards just if there was nothing on. But I usually don't do award shows. They're just kind of boring and stuff like that. But I definitely the following day will look up just to see who won. That way I don't have to sit through it. Now, I did, I was on Twitter and Chris Daughtry's wife, Chris Daughtry's wife said that Daughtry was going to be on that AMA's, American Music Awards. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not doing nothing right now. My wife and me, were sitting on the couch. We're on our iPhones. We're just browsing the internet. I'm like, I'll just throw it on. So I was like, okay, I'll just wait for him to come on. I was kind of excited. So here's what I want to talk about. So Christina Aguilera comes on to the stage because what happened is Maroon 5, they do their song, which is um, Move Like Jagger. And I'm not a huge Maroon 5 fan. I could kind of take them or leave them. But here's the thing that totally annoys and pisses me off, okay, is the fact of Christina Aguilera, who sings part of the song, comes out and she looks absolutely gorgeous i think she's she's smoking hot right so the next day there's all of these news reports and twitters that christina aguilera is fat and pregnant and all this other crap okay number one she was smoking, okay? She, the girl has just had a baby, right? And I don't know if you know it, but not everybody in this world 
is meant to look like a twig, okay? Not everybody is in love with a twig, okay? Fat people need loving too, all right? Now, me, I look like Daniel LaRusso Rafmachi, okay? I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but you know what? I love the way that a woman looks, okay? She's not meant to be no stick figure where you can see bones coming out, okay? That's unhealthy. And the way Christina Aguilera looked, I thought she was smoking hot. Okay, she did not look fat, she did not look pregnant, so I am sick and tired of people going off and saying that an average looking woman is fat. That is completely ridiculous and so annoys me. Now, whether or not you've seen the show, I'm sure if you just type in Christine Aguilera in Yahoo, you'll see a picture of her. And what happens is she's in this white dress and she has some cleavage going, but not enough to where she looks slutty, so to speak, where she's popping out, but just basically where uh, you could tell that she has big breasts, but she's covering them and her legs look really good and her supposedly her hair is all messy. Anyways, take a look at the picture. My personal opinion, I think she looks great and the girl can sing. I don't. You can say whatever you want about her looks, but she can pretty much blow it anybody away when it comes to singing okay that girl has got a voice so you know it's just ridiculous Kim Kardashian Kim Kardashian is fat because you know she's got a big booty and big boobs so that automatically makes her fat that just so annoys me and I don't know what is wrong with this world but Everybody thinks that they need to be a size 2 to fit in. You know what? Everybody is made the way that they're made. And, you know, everybody is... Uh, I'm just annoyed. It just really frustrates me that people have to go out and do that. And it's pretty cool when I go on Facebook and I go to stand up for... I have other people, including guys, that are saying she looks great. Who cares what she looks like? I don't think she looks pregnant. I don't think she looks fat. It's just ridiculous. So I just want to say to all the females out there that listen to the show to be happy with the way your body looks. And don't let no man tell you that you're fat. Because you know what? That's disrespectful. It's rude. And you know what? Everybody needs to be happy with themselves. So that's all I got to say about that. Now, I, it's music related because of the fact it's Christian Aguilera. But I just want to throw that out there. That it really annoys me. And it really scares me of what's going to happen when my daughters are old enough. Uh, when they're my age, what is TV going to be like? really scares me, really freaks me out. And if people think that a normal average looking person is fat, what are they going to do when they get older? I mean, people starve themselves to death because they want to please people. It's just so annoying and scary. So I don't know. That that just kind of annoys me. But uh, in regards to um, actually seeing the show for what I wanted to see it for, I actually, after that, I just kind of skipped and I went to play Batman Arkham City and I just caught Chris Dutch the next day on YouTube. But I got his album, uh, Really Wicked. I did a review on that on the Facebook page. So that is, uh, please check that out. If you are currently not a fan on the Facebook page, please just type in Sweep Delay Podcast in Facebook. 
like that thing and you'll see all my music reviews and my mini movie reviews that I throw up during the week. And then if on Twitter you want to follow me, it's STL Podcast. And then on iTunes, uh, I got eight reviews. It's been great. Loving the reviews. If you like the show and you haven't reviewed me yet on iTunes, that would be awesome if you get a chance to do that. So let's just call it a day, guys, when it comes to movie, music, and just overall news. And let's get into the review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. 16th century Japan. Brave men ride into battle. Fighting an evil emperor. With their only hope. A golden scepter that can open the gates of time itself. Now, in their darkest hour, come four brave fighters from another time. Another place. Another species? You were expecting maybe uh, the Adams family? They're back. And they're back in time. Hey, Adams, check it out! We're in show, guys! Once before, demons defeated my ancestors. Now they've come back for me. Talk about your quantum leap! My cannons can destroy these monsters, my lord. Uh oh, this doesn't burn well. New Line Cinema presents Allegorama. The four greatest turtles. Hey, alright. It's not just a job, it's an adventure. Ever to go down in history. It's just your ordinary uh, time travel equal mass displacement kind of thing. Kids. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Help, I'm a turtle and I can't get Alright, so let's talk some Turtles 3. Now. We all in the Sweet Delay Podcast Nation agree on the same thing, that part one is the best, and part two is not as good as part one, pretty close, and super fun. And I think we'll all be in the agreement that part three is definitely the weakest of the film series. Now, TMNT would eventually revive the series, but that turns out to be a CGI film. So the good news is I actually like the film better than I thought I would, but it's definitely not my favorite film, let alone is it better than part one, and it's definitely not better than part two. So let's just let's get into this. Let's just talk about the overall film, the story, and get into the good stuff, the bad stuff. Uh, the film now the film came out in 1993, and it's the last of the live action films that we're going to get from the Turtles. And immediately when the movie starts, at least when you see the turtles, you can tell something's different. And I think the biggest reason for that is, unlike the previous films, they used the Jim Henson's Creature Shop to do the advanced animatronics. They didn't do that in this film, which I think really hurts and suffers the film, especially in the beginning. I find myself loathing the first like the first 20 minutes of this film and it isn't until they actually get back in Japan that I start going along with the film which previously as a kid I hated it when they were in back in time and I loved it when they were in New York so it's kind of funny how your tastes change but here's the overall story 
movie starts off and we're in Japan, 1603. And we have um, four samurais on horseback. Now, the samurai ride off with this man. It's a mysterious, uh, like a woman, a mysterious woman emerges and tries to help the guy. And the samurai eventually capture and take the man with them. So, after that whole scene, we fast forward to present day in New York, which it's night to 93. Now, the cool thing is, it immediately starts off with the with the logo from Part 2. the Kind of the cartoon logo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that go, you know, kind of half, um, half circle. The music's really cool in the beginning, and we're back to the weapons. And I really dig the the beginning scene but I'll get into that detail in just a little bit but we they're still in their abandoned subway station and during their practice the turtles are met by April O'Neil she's basically been shopping in preparation for this upcoming vacation that she's going to have and she brings the turtles gifts to cheer them up because basically she's obviously not going to take them now, among one of the items she brings is this ancient Japanese scepter, which is it's supposed to be for Master Splinter. Now, in uh, it's, it's obviously essentially going to be the time machine. Now, in Japan, a masked man who is revealed to be Kenshin, he's son of Lord Noriaga. He's kind of like, you think is the main bad guy of the film, but he's actually the second bad guy. There's going to be another guy that's kind of above him, but I'll get into that in a minute. So this dude, um, Kenshin, he's angry against his father's unfair war he's got going against the rebel villagers. So Kenshin leaves his father's presence and he drives the priest out of the temple. So he finds the same scepter that April shows in the beginning of the thing. And he starts to read the inscription on the handle. It says, open wide the gates of time. And before Kenshin leaves, the British weapon trader called Walker is introduced. This is your main bad guy. And he's also got this other guy named Niles. And um, Walker is basically your your typical douchebag who is, he's all about weapons, basically. Now, the scepter begins to um, does like this wind and straight lightning and April and Kenshin are switched in the respective time zones and they exchange clothes which I'll get into that in a little bit now upon arrival April is captured by Lord Noriaga's um, soldiers now Lord Noriaga blames her for his son vanishing and he sends her to the dungeons. Now, the turtles become friends with Kenshin and decide to travel back in time to to basically rescue April. Now, the cool thing is we get Casey Jones, horrible wig, by the way. He comes back to help watch over Splinter and to kind of help with Kenshin. Now, uh, warned by Donatello's calculation that they only have 60 hours to complete this rescue mission before the scepter ceases to enable time travel due to some time-space continuum being out of sync. So if you got all that, congratulations. Now, having been sent to Japan in exchange for Noriaga's honor guards, the turtles arrive uh, in this battle. Because as we, as I said earlier, the same 
kind of like the same mass has to switch kind of thing so the turtles are big so we get some big honor guards so to speak so they originally think the time the scepter is in a temple but in fact it was used in this battle so michelangelo is separated from the brothers and he's captured by the outlaws which is the girl that's first shown in the beginning of the film now the scepter actually goes he's holding it the whole time but he is um he's basically seized because he hits his head and they show somebody taking the scepter but they don't show you the character just like the hands and the feet kind of thing so when the other turtles search for April at uh, Noriaga's fortress, they are quickly mistaken for the honor guards. Now, Walker's men, um, they basically think that uh, April is a witch. So, essentially, the turtles, they follow Walker's men to the prison, and they rescue April, and they take her through this garbage disposal thing. And, of course... Um, there's this guy that looks just like Casey Jones, which obviously it's Elis Cotis playing uh, Casey Jones, but it's kind of like, you know, your your twin brother kind of thing. So they, he begs her to rescue, and she does, and he goes down the garbage chute with them. So now, um, an attack on the turtles who are, again, mistaken for the honor guards, leads them to Mitsu. Now, uh, again, Mitsu is the girl in the beginning of the film. She's the leader of the rebellion against Lord Noriaga. But the funny thing is she's actually in love with Lord Noriaga's son, Kenshi, who is in New York with Casey Jones Splinter. So she's a young, beautiful, courageous, and determined woman who intends first to overthrow the Demeo. That's kind of what they, what they call it. And, like... That's like Nor Lord Noriaga's um, war, so to speak. They call it the male. And later she wants to marry Kenshin, so uh, it prevents another war. So um, basically she meets Michelangelo, obviously, because, you know, they kept him captive. And Mitsu's village is actually under attack by Walker and his men who are searching for the scepter. Uh, because Lord Noriaga finds out that the scepter's gone because the honor guards are gone, so that's why they go and attack, and all that fun stuff starts to begin. Now, what happens is is the turtles rush to intervene, and Walker at this time, you know, seeing the uh, seeing the face and hear him speak, he starts to think that they're actually demons because that's kind of the thing the demons of the ancient time look just like the turtles which is pretty cool so that's kind of an interesting story that goes on through this so when confronted by michelangelo and the other turtles and mitsu's people walker flees so michelangelo actually saves uh this boy named yoshi from a fire now leonardo actually revives him um, doing some cpr but of course they don't know what cpr is and they think it's like this this demon thing he's doing but of course when he comes back to life they're like oh wow these guys these guys are good you know we want them on our side kind of thing so uh, now back at uh, Noriaga's castle um, it's revealed that uh, the Demio reveals a legend to Walker stating that um, the demons are called Kappa basically and um, which is a pretty cool name and he suggests that you know they return to disgrace him you know uh, that they were uh, they were vanquished originally by his ancestors, but they came back to 
disgrace him. And Walker basically tells him we can destroy these monsters if he accepts to, you know, take his weapons. So Michelangelo is apparently attracted emotionally to Mitsu. Now, thank God it's not physically because that would just be weird. But emotionally speaking, Michelangelo is attracted to Mitsu. He reassures her that Kenshi is going to return when the turtles go back. So Raphael, meanwhile, fulfills his potential patience and gentleness through Yoshi. Uh, he becomes very fond of the kid that Michelangelo saved and eventually considers him like a younger brother. So I'll get into Raphael in just a little bit here. So now the new scepter is completed because, you know, as they think it's lost, so they got to basically build a new one. Well, that doesn't go as planned because Michelangelo and Raphael are having an argument and they break it. So Mitsu then informs them that Lord Noriaga or Noriaga has his guns. He's going to attack the next day. So Yoshi, because you know him and Raphael become so tight, he lets him know that uh, he's the one that has the original scepter and gives it to Raphael. And uh, it was actually hidden under his grandfather's command because he wanted the turtles, um, he wanted the turtles to fight, not Mitsu to fight against you know uh, the Demio. So uh, Mitsu unfortunately gets kidnapped by um, you know by douchebag. And uh, Walker's spy, um, well, I get what actually happens is Casey Jones, um, his other character's name is Wit. So he actually kidnaps April O'Neil because he's Walker's spy. And he steals the scepter to Walker. So yeah, sorry I got that confused. Uh, I know I just watched it, but this the story is kind of all over the place. It's kind of crazy. So... Um, the turtles actually set to they set out to rescue Mitsu, of course. Now, in the process, they learn that um, they learn of a legend that caused the Demio to fear them. They free many of the imprisoned um, people there, and it leads to like this massive battle that happens in the courtyard of Noriaga's palace between the rebels and the Demio's army. So Leonardo actually defeats Lord Noriaga in like the sword duel. Uh, he does it like real funny by cutting his hair which is pretty cool i'll talk about that in a second and then traps him inside this this big bell pretty cool now walker uh at the end of the battle he captures april and threatens to kill her so his soldiers then take control of the battlefield and they got their guns all armed up and he orders them to kill the turtles now leonardo being the fearless leader he comes up with this crazy idea where he's going to do like this bluff where it's like, hey, you know, the bullets, they're going to ricochet and kill all you guys. So why don't you shoot us? You know, real funny, good stuff. So Walker actually shoots a cannon at Leonardo, but he misses because Leonardo puts his head in his shell. And he's like, oh, man, I love being a turtle. Real funny. So April and Wit, they're targeted by, by the cannon, essentially, as well. So, and Wit at this point has spoken against Walker's orders, so he ducks his own head to dodge the shot, and a cannonball collides with the bell, which, um, you know, Lord Nagya's hair is all jacked up and stuff. So Walker's soldiers are rooted, and um, he himself, you know, while the soldiers are fighting, he tries to get away, basically. Now, um, what happens is, is he grabs the scepter, 
And he's also got like this pet bird that it carries with him. So he climbs to the top of the roof of the palace to like the highest point looking over the ocean. And uh, he essentially gets cornered by the turtles. And he throws the scepter over them. Kind of like, oh, well, if I throw this, I can get away. But the turtles, being the brothers they are, they form this chain of their bodies, which essentially Michelangelo is able to lean outside the ledge to catch it, which is pretty cool. And eventually Walker um, realizes he forgot his bird. He goes back to to get it. Um, and then um, April essentially uses this catapult. Uh, and it kills Walker by knocking him to his death in the ocean. Which uh, oh, such a horrible scene which I'll talk about in just a minute here. But So the turtles debate whether or not they're going to go home. Um, half of them want to stay. Half of them want to go. They're wishing to remain on the grounds because they appreciate and are respectful of Japan, unlike New York, where it sucks for them and they always got to hide underground and avoid being targets. So Mitsu uh, urges them that they got to go. That's the deal. And, you know, Michelangelo's like, no, I don't want to go. But she says, Kenshi has to return to her. And, you know, we have to put time back the way it is. So the scepter activates and. Um, Basically, they get transformed back. Now, um, in New York, uh, when they get back to New York, essentially, you think Michelangelo's gone because he didn't make it in time to grab them because he was too busy jacking around, d- debating whether he wanted to stay. But eventually, um, he, the other guard, gets, um, he grabs a sector, he goes up the stairs, and Michelangelo is replaced, comes down, and uh, and we're good. So essentially it's going to end where you know Michelangelo's depressed but Splinter puts on like this lampshade on his head and starts joking about how he's Elvis in Hawaii makes him laugh and the film ends with basically a, a dance sequence by the turtles and that's the film. So it's kind of definitely crazy story. I mean if you consider how the first two movies are pretty simple basic storylines you know uh even kids can follow it i i mean even as a kid i had a hard time following this film i mean any time travel movie especially if it's a really good time travel movie can be hard to follow but this movie um has some problems so let's talk about let's talk about some of those things real quick here okay overall as i said from the beginning um i like the logo uh, I dig that. I like how it reminiscent of the cartoon and part two. I like the music scene. I like the fact that they have their weapons in the beginning, but they look horrible. Absolutely atrocious. I mean, they basically look like they took this huge diet pill. I mean, each turtle looked like they lost like 40 pounds. They're super like scrawny. They got these spots on their bodies, which I can deal with that because they're teenagers. They got to look a little bit different than than before. But I, it really suffers because they don't have the Jim Henson creature shop to, to do the animatronics. I mean, especially in the beginning, the words don't really match up too well with the mouth, which is which is a pretty bad thing. But when we see Splinter, Splinter looks very, very old. Now, I get the fact that they're supposed to be aging, but Splinter, man, he looks pretty rough. I mean, hardcore rough. He doesn't really even look like Splinter, really. And the guy that they got to do the voice of Splinter, not cool. Not cool whatsoever. I really love Kevin Nash's voice. Um, not Kevin Nash. Um, the guy that originally did the voice. 
Oh, it was Kevin Clash. Kevin Clash is, uh, is the guy. I'm thinking Kevin Nash. Not like the wrestler or anything, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's Kevin Clash. So the guy that they got to do that voice, not very cool. But one thing I do enjoy is the fact of the voice of Michelangelo and Leonardo. Uh, they're the only two voice actors that have been in all three of the films. And the cool thing is we get Corey Feldman back as Donatello, which I said I really wish he was back again in part two. But, man, his first couple of lines are really, really bad. Like, oh, Raph, come on. I mean, it's like, man, it's like Corey Feldman was either super high when he came into the vocal booth that day and didn't know what to say, or he just wanted to be over the top. Now, Corey Feldman, once they actually get in Japan, he's spot on, everything's cool. Actually, in fact, it's prior to that when he starts talking about the space-time continuum. He's got his game back on, and I dig him for the rest of the film. But his first couple of lines in the beginning of the film really feels like he's phoning it in. and it just, uh, it just He just doesn't sound very good at all. But as I said, I'm super happy with uh, the fighting is probably the best fighting we get out of all the Turtle films. Number one, we had some fighting and the martial arts was good. And part two, it was pretty toned down. But this one, we actually get some really good martial arts. The Turtles have some excellent moves. I'm, I, this film, hands down, is the best when it comes to the fighting of the live action films. This film is by far the best. It, it kills the fighting that happened in number one and two, especially in later in the film in act three when they're taking out guards and stuff. It was great, great fighting. I really enjoyed the fact that we got their weapons back and the fighting's pretty awesome. Now, Raph, uh, the guy that's doing the voice of Raph, um, he's kind of similar voice, but not really. And right off the bat, Raph is, he throws a sigh at the, um, at the stereo and you're supposed to be like, okay, has Raph matured at this point in time? Is he still going to be the angry guy? But really, uh, it's really his only time he's angry for the most of the film. Um, he gets pretty good character development about saying how, you know, you got to control your temper and all that thing. So by the end of it, Raphael has really learned that he needs to control his anger and not be so uh, mad at the world all the time. So Raphael is definitely, I think, out of all the turtles, the one that's progressed the most from being kind of, uh, you know, the first half of part one, just being real mad at the world and then just kind of loving life. And then part two, kind of a mix between uh, being Michelangelo. And I think he's only mad like maybe two two times in Turtles 2. But in this one, he's really only mad in the beginning and then the rest of the film, he's just really examining himself saying how he shouldn't be so mad all the time, which I dig. That's pretty cool. So uh, I talked about, you know, Corey just being uh, not very good at all. So uh, like I said, very cool afterwards, especially when we get to the space-time continuum part. Now, let's talk about the transformation you know the the going in of time when kenshi comes in and april goes okay so supposedly april o'neill and kenshi are the same weight and same mass which is why which i love the line by michelangelo he goes geez how did you fit in april's pants i love that but wouldn't kenshi be wearing a bra i mean i know it's a kid's film and all and i know it's probably nitpicking a little bit but it just seems really weird. And then when the other guys, you know, 
Michelangelo says, well, we should get in boxers because we're naked. So when the guys come in our place, they're going to be naked. Which the funny thing is, is the other three are in their white um, undergarments. And then the guy that is in Michelangelo's suit is absolutely, you know, he doesn't have that on. He only has the shorts. So essentially, if Michelangelo didn't have the shorts, you're supposed to believe he would have came naked and the other three would have had some undergarments. So I thought that was kind of, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I always noticed that from the first day I saw it, I said, look, all of them had except that one guy, so I guess it's a good thing Michelangelo wore his pants because he was actually naked that time. Now, um, I like the Kappa demon thing. Uh, I like that because the, the turtles, they look just like demons in the picture, which, of course, they drew them to make them look like that. But I like the fact of how they play that and kind of keep it in the film, which kind of makes the uh, the bad guys real scared of the turtles, which the bad guys have never really been scared of the turtles. They've been scared of them for being, you know, freaks or that they would beat them up, but never, like, terrified. And I like the fact that the bad guys are terrified of the turtles in this one because they think that they're demons. So that's pretty cool. All right, now this is one big problem I have, which you can call it a nitpick if you want, but I always thought that this part was completely stupid. Even I thought this as a kid. When April O'Neil has her head... Okay, explain this to me. If they switch bodies, right? Like they everybody gets their clothes and stuff... Why is it April gets to keep her headphones? Shouldn't Kenshi have had her headphones? But for some stupid reason, which they don't explain it, that's the only thing April takes from New York with her is her headphones. But she gets Kenshi's, um, you know, his outfit. So they fall off of her neck and they start playing. Now, keep in mind the headphones are not plugged in. You can clearly see that the headphones are not plugged in because the wire is like two feet away from the actual Walkman and the Walkman is playing loud and Walkmans back then didn't have speakers they weren't like iPods like nowadays where you don't need headphones you can just hit play on your iPod and you can listen to your song and just have your iPod next to you they have built-in speakers now Walkmans didn't have built-in speakers back then even I knew that as a kid I said that is so stupid I was like are you guys do you guys not know how a Walkman works no Walkman would ever play like that especially if the headphones were unplugged now if the headphones were plugged in uh, and she had it all the way up you could you know you could go along with the fact of that's why they're hearing music but the music definitely would not be that loud or let alone clear but the fact that it's unplugged and Walkman didn't have speaker always annoys me it's really ridiculous and I think it's probably one of the stupidest scenes of the film but I know most of you are going to be like well if that's your only problem with the film then you know it's a good film no it's not my only problem with the film see right away as I was saying the turtles they look off the way they look number one the voice acting in the beginning is really really bad I mean really bad each one of them was definitely not going to work that day and Corey Feldman is by far the worst when it comes to the voice acting in the very beginning of the film, like the first 20 minutes. Once they hit Japan, the film turns for me and, I'm, and I feel like it's a turtle movie. It's like I feel like I'm watching part two because they're all acting just like they would act in the first two films. Nobody's phoning it in. I feel really good watching it. But it's that the first like 20 minutes, you know, the animatronics look really bad. The voices don't match up with when their lips move. Splinter looks and sounds horrible. Casey Jones, when he shows up, he's got a bad wig. 
and he says like bummer like he's embarrassed to say it uh, his eyes are kind of squinted so it's really like Casey Jones is a huge disappointment in this film because I mean number one Casey he doesn't get a chance to fight anybody or anything like that throughout the film which when you get a character that you love you kind of want to see them at least do what you know that they do that's like having me watch um, The Rock in wrestling stand on top of the ring with his arms up and then get down and never get in the ring and fight it's like okay it's awesome that you're here and I'm I'm happy you're happy but I'm here to watch you get in the ring and kick some butt and all you're doing is just standing there outside the ropes that's how I feel with Casey Jones he is just there because the fans want him to back but all he does is just hang out with Splinter talk to the dudes about watching hockey and take him out to party and the only time you think he's gonna fight the other guys end up fighting instead with each other and it's supposed to be some comic relief but they play quirky stupid music in the background i mean if the first movie definitely took itself serious and part two was was having fun but it still took most of its parts serious this one kind of throws that out the door and just says you know what we're definitely just it's kind of feels like Batman and Robin almost where they're definitely making for the kids but it's almost like the people making the film didn't really care but once we get into Japan things start to change for me and I'm going along with the film because it looks better people are acting better I mean in regards to the actors themselves the guys in the voice acting is better the the lips are moving and matching with the words the dialogue is much better. The jokes are much better. And most of all, the fighting. The fighting is amazing. So the first 20 minutes absolutely suck for me. But once I get to Japan, I'm a happy camper. So um, let's talk about some other good stuff. Now, out of the way the turtles look, Donatello definitely looks the best. Uh, he looks the the most like the turtles from the original two. Leonardo looks absolutely the worst. Raphael, pretty consistent. Raphael, Michelangelo, they definitely um, have the same look as they did in the other two. But Donatello, he has a mix between his older look and the new version of how they're trying to make the turtles. So I really dig how Donatello looks. So I would have to say it's Donatello's number one, Michelangelo's number two, Raphael's number three, and then Leonardo would be number four. Leonardo looks absolutely atrocious. But like I said, when we're in Japan, things start getting good. Like when the... Um, you know, when they're about ready to go rescue April and the guy calls uh, Raphael uh, an ugly lunk, lump of dung and he gets real mad and, and he's like, did you hear what that guy called me? And Leonardo's like, yeah, uh, an ugly lump of dung. And uh, I really like that part. And when um, Donatello starts trying to talk some Japanese, he's like, uh, Suzuki Kawasaki. And Raphael punches him out and says, how about Sayonara? You know, and they do their little handshake. I, that's when the jokes start to get good. I feel like I'm watching a turtle movie again. Uh, another cool thing that they do is uh, is Wet Willy. Really good, really good stuff. It's kind of a running joke in the film where um, the Walker's henchman gets Wet Willy uh, in the ear from from Raphael and from I think it's Leonardo that does it, and that kind of happens. Um, a couple times throughout the film, which is a pretty cool running gag. I like the scene when um, 
the guard is scared of the turtles, so he puts himself in the cage and he starts to lift himself up. And this guy's huge; he's like 300 pounds. And Donatello's like, "I can't believe he can lift that thing up. Pretty cool." Um, or when they're jumping into the sewer, uh, well, the garbage can, and you hear Michelangelo say, "I'll be," or not Michelangelo, because Michelangelo they haven't rescued him yet. But it's Raphael says, "I'll be back," and he does the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Pretty cool. When they actually land in the garbage, and they're like, "Ugh, I hate garbage," and then Donatello's like, "Gross," and then he turns his hat, and more mud falls out. He's like, "Grosser." That was I really liked that. That was funny. Um, another cool thing was when they're trying to clean off. We get a Wayne's Rule reference where Leonardo and Donatello say "swing." You know, it's kind of always cheesy and lame in in Wayne's World, but it was funny to hear the turtles say that. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Donatello does say "help." I'm a turtle and I can't get up. Always a fun. Fun gag there, real good. Uh, I like when uh, Michelangelo, you know, and, and Mitsu, she's kind of saying, you know, wants to look at his face. He's like, hey, I don't kiss on the first date, lady. Or no, that's Raphael. When she's like, don't be afraid, and she takes off his mask. He's like, I don't kiss on the first date, lady. I always thought that was pretty cool. Now, I do dig the CPR Yoshi scene. Uh, really good stuff. Really helps set off the, um, to, you know, to them that they're really good and uh, not to be afraid of them and only the bad guys need to be afraid. I really dig that. That's some good times there. Now, the guys, um, you know, back in New York, the Honor Guards, they're introduced to TV from Casey Jones. And some of that's kind of funny to watch them try to touch the TV and... Um, when he tries to teach him hockey and he's like just show me what you saw on tv and they start to fight uh, it's kind of like you're supposed to laugh at that and think it's funny but it just kind of i really wasn't laughing and feeling that scene too much thought it was kind of cheesy and lame a little bit but you know that's, that's just kind of what i thought now i like when the turtles uh, actually meet lord noriaga and they call him hey it's wayne newton uh that was kind of funny uh and i like when they when leonardo you know he's like you know lord noriaga's like go ahead and finish me and he's like okay and he grabs his sword and looks like he's going to cut his head off and instead he cuts his top of his hair cut off he says short enough for you i thought that was pretty funny that's a typical turtle um, scene which I really dug a lot I like uh, when Michelangelo would say like he who dings the shell must pay that's a pretty good line I like Leo and Donnie you know after they took out some dudes like hey Leo high foot and they do like this high uh, high kick to each other and hit the back of their foots to each other that was pretty cool like I said the fighting was really really good I was really impressed I really enjoyed myself watching the fight scenes it was good to see the weapons back and every time Donatello would hit somebody with his boa he'd always make uh, you know, home run. You know, he'd always make some funny comment. So he, Corey Feldman was definitely in his game again. Once we, as I said, are in Japan, uh, I'm really, really digging it. It's good stuff. One of the funniest scenes towards the end is when Lord Noriaga gets the bell put on him, and Donatello he swings his bow, and the other three duck. And you don't realize what they're doing when he's ducking, but uh, after he hits the bell. And the guy starts screaming. He goes, "Name rings a bell," and all the guys start laughing. And I thought that was that was some really good stuff. Really good. Um, when Leonardo gets shot 
with the with the cannonball and he sticks his head in his shell and you hear him echo and say man I love being a turtle and when he sticks his head up he goes miss me and the way he smiles that actually was real funny and the animatronics was really good uh, I laughed I laughed hysterically on that scene that was good stuff now the ending kind of bothers me a little bit because you know Michelangelo we all know he's the fun loving guy and most of all he loves pizza now it just seemed kind of out of character for him to be the one to want to stay it would make sense for Raphael to want to stay because you know he's always been the outsider but Michelangelo has never been the outsider Michelangelo and Donatello are always two peas in a pod and for Michelangelo to be the one that just miraculously decides, well, I want to stay. Uh, I don't want to go back to New York. I mean, he would never in a million years never want to have a pizza again. He even tried to make a pizza during the film. He did absolutely horrible in it. So I really didn't dig how they just miraculously did that. That kind of annoyed me a lot just because it was way too much out of character. And, you know, if you would disagree with me, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think that would have been a character. But the Michael Michelangelo we know especially for the past two films that's something that Michelangelo would never do is ever leave pizza he is the pizza enthusiast you know that's all that's his life is pizza and um, it just I just don't like the ending I don't dig it um, it really brings you know the first half is horrible the second half I really enjoy and then when we get to the ending it's starting to go rock bottom again back to the beginning of the film which really really sucks because I really wanted to like the movie but I'm just not feeling it especially not like part two now in the scene that when I knew things were going bad is the death scene of Walker when Walker gets hit off the cliff they show his body falling down right and all of a sudden his he disappears and three seconds later he hits the water I mean it was so bad editing it was absolutely horrible I mean it's like the the water almost doesn't even move but you can clearly see it's like he's like a cutout figure falling down and then just disappears and then like two seconds three seconds later you see water splash real horrible death scene at that point I was like oh I'm starting to get taken out of the film and that's when we get the Michelangelo wants to stay and it just oh, it was so bad and then finally when Splinter does the thing and they all start dancing it just it didn't end as good as the first one did and it definitely didn't end as good as the second one did so the ending was real crappy I, I, was, I just don't like the ending of the film so um, I did like the fact when I was reading the credits that Pat Johnson was the fight choreographer, which Pat Johnson is the fight choreographer of the Karate Kid films. So that instantly made me get a big smile. And uh, he's actually trained with, uh, he was a fight choreographer uh, with Chuck Norris back in the day, with uh, Bruce Lee back in the day. So Pat Johnson knows his stuff, good times. So that's basically it, guys. That's my review of Turtles 3. If I was to give the movie a rating, I'd have to say that based on the first ha the first 20 minutes, the ending of the film automatically would make it like a one and a half, two stars. The middle of the film was really good. I really dug it for about 40 minutes. So I'd have to give this probably about a two and a half. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the two and a half on this one. Uh, I enjoy it more than I did as a kid. As a kid, I probably only saw it maybe three times because I was just irritated with it. I was bored with it. Uh, I do enjoy it a little more now, but two and a half is what I give this film. Um, I think it's definitely um, the one film out of all the movies I've reviewed so far that I've given a pretty low score to. But, you know, hey, there's still two more films to go, man. You can't have them all perfect. And thank God that the next film uh, makes up for all the badness of this film. Uh, I have one big issue with TMNT that I know of right off the bat, which I'll get into when I get to the review of that. But I, I can tell you already that that film is excellent. And I can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts on that film. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the emails. All right. Now, I am super pumped because I actually only had one email come in, which came from Sebastian. And the moment that I went to go check the, um, you know, to pull up the email, I had three more come in. And uh, that's flipping awesome, guys. Talk about great timing. So excited uh, that I got some more emails. So this is going to be good times. So let's hear what you guys had to say about Turtles 3. And let's just see if you guys are kind of on the same page that I am on this film. All right, here's what Sebastian says. He says, hi, I saw Turtles 3 the same week as part 2. I thought 2 made the Turtles jokes. Uh, I thought thought two made the turtle jokes of themselves it's more evident in part three the story is interesting and could have been better if the turtles were like they were those of part one um and then he starts to talk about immortals so essentially uh, sebastian doesn't like part three um it seems like you have a problem with them joking i mean you got to realize that this is how the turtles always have been that we've grown up below i mean unless you're watching uh reading the original comic books it's pretty dark in the comic books, which uh, Turtles Forever actually goes into that territory, uh, which I'll talk about when I get to that review, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it sounds like Sebastian wasn't too thrilled with Part 3 either. He says, um, Immortals was cool to watch. I thought the 3D was good, but I didn't notice it all, which can be a bad thing. Uh, when I hear that movie title always makes me think of Immortals, we will put the name to the test. And that's the email from Sebastian. So thank you, sir, for writing in on that topic. And he actually wrote in again, so I'll get to that in a minute. So the next email comes from Anthony from Hillmar, California. Good to hear from you again, sir. Haven't heard from you in a while. So uh, good time. So this just came in. So this is going to be pretty cool. Let's see what he has to say. He says, hello there, Ms. Tunis. First off, I want to say that I hope that your wife gets over whatever is making her sick not just because you can put out more episodes but sim but because it simply sucks to be sick also we don't want her to become somewhat like the monkey from the movie outbreak and spread it bad attempt at a joke i know uh, yeah that's that's funny sir i actually get a chuckle out of that one yeah she she's doing better um you know definitely uh it's personal where i can't really talk about it too much in the podcasting nation but uh but everything is going better um you know sick wise it always sucks whether anybody's sick you know based on flu or uh, other kind of sicknesses you know but um right now she's just really really tired she's going to work you know she, she doesn't make a whole lot of money but whatever money she does make definitely helps us pay the bills so she's trying to be a trooper and um 
and it's good to uh, see she's feeling a little bit better. So thanks for asking, sir. I really appreciate it. He said, uh, glad that you're doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Now, when I was a kid, they were the thing that I really enjoyed. And while it was the cartoon that got me hooked, the movies only strengthened it. Only uh, over time, my opinions of the series as a whole would reign over time. I can still look fondly back at the series, which it's so cool. The fact of, um, I think it was last year that I would go to the mall and I go to this store. It's called Hot Topic and Spencer's, if you guys have ever heard of it, and just see turtle stuff all over again. Uh, my wife bought this Ninja Turtle uh, wallet, really cool. Um, you know, I've bought some t-shirts. I've got a lot of t-shirts recently of turtles, which is really cool. Um, there's some real funny ones, especially about like, uh, you know, chicks dig guys with pizza and just kind of funny stuff like that. I got a, uh, a Lanard uh, turtle thing, which is pretty cool. My daughter's got a bracelet. And the cool thing is, is, uh, when the action figures came back out, they re the original Ninja Turtles that I had, they all came, they were all had like the mad face and they all kind of looked exactly the same, but they had the different color bandanas and stuff. And they, their weapons would be on like this brown tray where you could take it off and put it on there. And two of my turtles and splinter got stolen from one of my friends. So it was pretty cool to rebuy those and keep them in the box. And now I have the whole collection again. It's pretty awesome. So he goes on to say that uh, I'm with the vast majority in stating that the third live action movie is the weakest of the series. I saw this at the theater. So did I. And dude, I know a movie's bad when my dad will leave to go take a pee because my dad doesn't ever leave a movie. So I knew he didn't like it. And the only the other movie he did that was with the next Karate Kid, which I regret the fact that I saw that in the theater too. But that's another story. Um, he says that um, I thought it was okay, but after rewatching, I gotta say that my liking of it could be blamed on being young and stupid, which sadly I suffer from even though I'm not that young anymore. There are still moments here and there that made me enjoy it, but the attempts of making it kid-friendly hurt it and left most of the fans of the first two movies disappointed. You know, Anthony, I have to say, that whole sentence sums up my whole review of the film, is that trying to make it kid-friendly hurt the film, the fans were disappointed that we didn't get the first two films that we wanted. A lot of us saw it as a kid and trying to rewatch it. You know, I tried to be as open-minded as possible watching this film. And, and there were some parts I enjoyed more than I ever did as a kid. And the parts that I enjoyed as a kid, I loathe completely, especially the, the beginning of the film and the ending of the film. Um, it's total different when you rewatch something, you know, and nostalgia always, I always say nostalgia always gives you an extra point. You know, if you'll rate a movie three stars, you would normally give it four stars based on nostalgia. I really think that's the case. But I think that that definitely sums up everything in regards to the Turtles 3. Uh, I agree with you 100% there, sir. He says, when it comes to the TMNT movie and the Turtles Forever movies, are you planning on doing those movies together in one episode or will they be split up? They will be split up, sir. Those two movies are so awesome. They're getting their own. Number one, TMNT is spectacular. Um, it's probably the best CGI film i ever seen in the theater. I mean, Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc. is amazing looking. But the rain sequence between Leonardo and Raphael when they're on the rooftop, that scene was so mesmerizing. I felt like 
it was so real. I felt like I was actually in that, um, on the rooftop with them. It looks so good and so real. So that movie alone is definitely going to get its own review. And then Turtles Forever, that'll officially be the first cartoon I ever review and probably the last cartoon I ever review. And uh, I got a lot of different things to say about that film um, or cartoon, whatever you want to call it. So it's definitely going to get its own separate thing. Basically, um, you know, you'll get this episode and then Thanksgiving will be here. So I'll probably do um, TMNT um, the following week. And then once Christmas starts, um, I'm either going to do, I'll probably more than likely, I'm going to finish it up, get Turtles series out of the way and just do Turtles forever like the first week of December. And then I'm going to do my Christmas movie. And then after the Christmas movie, um, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do the best of 2011. I'm going to do my top 10 favorite songs of 2011 and my top 10 favorite movies. That'll be all in one episode. So I'm looking forward to that. So it should, if everything goes as planned, um, you'll get TMNT next week, followed by Turtles Forever, the Christmas movie I'm going to do, which the Christmas movie I'm going to do is so off the rails that you're going to be like, holy crap, I can't believe you picked that as your Christmas movie. Because trust me, it's a Christmas movie, but it's not your typical Christmas movie. You guys are going to dig it, okay? I guarantee that you guys have seen this movie and you love it. So I'm going to tell you that already, that you already love this Christmas movie that I'm going to be doing. And no, it's not Home Alone, but you're along the same track, okay? Just going to give you that as a hint. And then uh, and then after that, I'll do that. And then once we get in the new year, I'm going to catch up on all the movies I promised to do, like the Short Circuit Films, uh, RoboCop. Um, I don't think I'm going to do the Action Hero series anymore. Uh, nobody seemed to download those. I don't think anybody really cared that I was doing the Action Hero tribute thing. I had a lot of fun with the Schwarzenegger one. Do putting all the one-liners together, that was real fun. But I don't think anybody really gives a crap about that anymore. So I think I'm just going to cut that series and just throw it out the window. And um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens at that point. Where I'm going to where I'm going to go, what series I'm going to pick up next. Um, series seems to go really good with uh, with you guys. You know, when I did the Halloween series, everybody was pumped up. I got a lot of emails. And then doing the Turtles series, I'm definitely getting a lot more emails. So I think I'm going to start doing, you know, try to do series of films. You know, like the Blade series or, you know, the, uh, gosh, the Batman series. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, I already did Batman 1 and I'm definitely going to do the rest of the Batman films. But that's kind of what I'm thinking. So let me know what you guys think if you think that's a good idea or, or whatnot and let me know. So, all right, let's finish the rest of Anthony's email here. Uh, he says... Um, both of them are good in their own right, but I'll save it until those actual reviews. Thanks. Um, thank all for my email. Take care and have a happy Thanksgiving. So, oh, uh, thank you, sir, for writing in. It's great to hear from you again. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Um, good to hear from you. I didn't hear from you last time, so glad we got to catch up, sir. All right, so I got an email from John from Philly. Good time, sir. Here's what he said. He said, hello, sir. I saw your Facebook status. Yeah, if you guys don't know on Facebook, I usually give John the Mailman and John from Philly a hard time because if I don't get an email from him before I'm going to record the show, I usually like, dude, where's my email at? You know, it's kind of our, it's kind of our thing. It's kind of funny. 
So uh, that that's what he means by the Facebook says. If you haven't gone on there and check it out, he said, "Well, not much to say about Turtles Three. I saw it once, didn't care for it. I normally like time travel movies, so I'm hoping for a reboot of the live action movie." Explanation point. Have a good day. Well, sir, uh, that that's good. I'm glad you're on the same page as me on that one. Um, you know, I'm hoping for a reboot too. From I actually saw um, like a fan trailer of like a mini. 10 minute short film uh, and Raphael looked pretty wicked it was pretty dark, hardcore uh, there's a lot of talk about the live action film um, you know, evidently Michael Bay might redo it which if he does that, God help us So we'll see how that goes So who knows at this point it's kind of up in the air So, and the last email comes from Sebastian again this time he has some other things to talk about he said, um, hi, McMack. He said, um, what do you think of the two versions of Snow White that are coming out? Uh, I know one is with the Twilight Chick and the other one is with, um, gosh, who's the other one? Uh, to be honest with you, sir, I can't say I really know too much about it. I just know that there's two different Snow White films and one has a Twilight Chick and I thought the other one was like Angelia Jolie or something. I don't know. So, um, yeah. Um, he says, based on the choices, I would rather go and see Snow White and the Huntsman because it looks more interesting than Mirror Mirror and I like most of the cast for the film. Have you seen any of Henry Cavill's work excluding Immortals? I have not and I'm choosing to do that. And the reason for that is uh, I want to enjoy him in the new Superman film. Uh, kind of like with Brandon Routh. I would always, uh, you know, I watched Superman Returns not seeing any of Brandon's other stuff. And from that point on, I saw him as Superman. And that's kind of how I want to see Henry Cavill. So uh, I I have enjoyed the performances and context of show or movie. Afterwards, I looked at a picture of Cavill as Superman. And I'm wondering why give him that haircut. It makes him look super creepy. I do recommend that you or the listeners see Immortals because it is fun factor. So I do plan on seeing that film. My wife definitely wants to see that film. My wife is a big, uh, big history, you know, ancient Greek kind of stuff. She loves that kind of stuff. So I will definitely check it out, especially when it's DVD. So chances are I'm going to see it, especially before Man of Steel. So when I do see it, which probably is not going to be until DVD, I'll throw my review up on the Facebook page. So that is it, guys, for emails. Thank you so much for emailing in, especially in the last minute. Good times there. So let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. All right, so music spotlight. This is kind of evident and easy to tell what this is going to be. I mean, seriously, we know Thanksgiving is like tomorrow. So we all know it's going to be Adam Sandler's Thanksgiving song is what I'm going to play. So hopefully you guys will... uh, We'll, we'll dig that, especially if you've never heard it before. So, um, But uh, I did want to say that uh, if you like the intro song I had for the movie Music News, that was off Chris Daughtry's new song called Out of My Head, which is my favorite song off of that CD. So please go get that. If you like the song, please check it out. Go get it on iTunes. CD just came out today. Uh, very awesome album. I gave it a nine out of ten. Which um, there's only like one album in the world I've only I've ever given a ten out of ten on. So nine out of ten is a really good score for me when it comes to music albums. So um, definitely check that album out. It's really really good. I'll be getting the new Kelly Clarkson CD soon. So if you're a fan of that, I'll throw a review of that up soon. So that's it, guys. Hopefully you enjoy a little Adam Sandler. 
um, turkey. So you guys um, take care. I hope you guys have a good, safe Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. Remember, if you uh, you eat too much turkey, you're going to go to sleep because it's got that special drug built in it. And then I am going to be stupid. I'm going to go shopping. So on the next episode of Team NT, I will tell you about my adventures. Uh, they start at 10 this year. So if you have any Black Friday stories, send them to me next time on your TMNT email. So remember, email in sweetdelaypodcast.yahoo.com and make sure you leave an iTunes review if you have not done so already. Please, please, and thank you. So you guys take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Masunasau. They want to hear the Thanksgiving song. All right. This is is a Thanksgiving song. I hope you enjoy it. Eat turkey. <laughs> love to eat turkey. I love you. I love to eat turkey. Cause it's good. Love to eat turkey like a good boy should. Cause it's turkey to eat. So good. That clapping's messing my head up, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. But I was, was trying to think of the next line. I'm like, all I hear is clapping. <laughs> Here we go. Thanks anyways. Turkey for me. Turkey for you. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. Love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. Eat that turkey all night long. Fifty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Turkey lurkey do and turkey lurkey dap. I eat that turkey, then I take a nap.
Gobble, gobble, goo, and gobble, gobble, giggle. I wish turkey only cost a nickel. Oh, I love turkey on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you.